is emptiness of form. And in the beginning of the talk, I will endeavor to give some explanation to these two particular concepts. Uh, in speaking of uh, form, I'm referring to all manner of shapes, compositions, constructions, that which is brought together. And so that may show itself in forms of in, in the nature, that may show itself as forms of uh, structure and method and technique, may show itself as uh, religious forms, as mental states, forms that the mind takes, the forms of thought. So form is a very pervasive word being used in the talk. Describe wherever there is a composition, whether it, wherever there is a compound, whether it, wherever there is something which we refer to as something in some way or other. When speaking of emptiness, and some of you will be familiar with this concept, both form and emptiness are widely used in the Dharma teachings. When speaking of emptiness, it's, as it were, a single concept used to abbreviate a meaning or a statement which says that things lack any inherent self-existence. Things do not exist in and of themselves, but only codependent with multiple number of other factors. And we could take any kind of uh, example of that, and when we examine it, when we investigate and reflect on it, we see it doesn't stand by itself. It, it requires multiple conditions for its support or whatever. Or sometimes it's, we think of something having a self-existence. We might take a, uh, a, a teacher or a monk or a nun as very simple examples. And we might say, well, where is the monk? Where is the nun? Is it the shaved head? Is it the, the cloth that the person is wearing? Is it um, the rules? Wh where, where is the, the monk? Where is the nun? Where is the teacher? Is it in the words? Is it the way the person is sitting or the position that the person is taking? And we look at that, we say, well, we can't really find the monk other than the image of the idea about the interpretation. We can't really find the teacher. And so when we speak in that way, we say, this is lacking in any inherent self-existence. This lack of self-existence, in any independent self-existence, we call emptiness. Now in the previous uh, retreat, I gave a talk and I took one line from the Heart Sutra, one of the uh, major talks in the Mahayana tradition, and that 
says form is emptiness. And I'll just relay a little bit, as I recall, from that talk, and then relay emptiness is form. And I said, if I remember correctly, I said with, with the form, with these different kind of forms that we experience, and I think if I remember rightly, mostly in that talk I was using the simple example of the form of retreat, the form of practice, that in that, for the, we may engage in practice for periods of time, we explore the forms and very easily the form, the method, the technique, the structure, the way, becomes important to us. And we begin to invest in it, we begin to see that the form is, um, we might feel or regard the form as being very necessary <coughs> for us, and as it were, we place ourselves in the form. <coughs> we may have abandoned various other forms. <coughs> and we say, well, perhaps the form of orthodox religion, possibly, <coughs> that's not very satisfactory for me. The form of lifestyle, of ordination or whatever, that may not be very satisfactory. And so we, we take up a particular form. We may say, during these <coughs> days that we are here, we've taken up a, a form, we're uh, adopting a form. <coughs> and generally with the form, the method, the technique, the structure and so forth, we use it and the tendency of mind, quite natural <coughs> for us, we use it because <coughs> we feel it will take us on the way, we'll, it will lead us somewhere. So via the process of what's taking place, we may experience changes in ourselves, and we have a feeling of direction, of working to some named or unnamed goal. <coughs> and because we may feel the experience of being better, in some way or other, that contributes to that, and there's a continuity of the exploration of the form. And what can happen, as we know, with many, many forms that you and I get involved in, we get attached to, identified with the form, and it becomes something. And I pointed out in that talk that when it becomes something, what happens is we start comparing. And we say, this form is this, that form is that, we may start judging, we may start um, um, affirming one, and rejecting another, and we get trapped in the form. So we're experiencing the benefits of the form, of the method, of the technique, of the approach, and almost insidiously, or because we've been told that this form is, whatever it is, is very special and is, has some special significance, we associate ourselves in such a way we just see form. And what we don't recognize is that the form lacks an inherent, I know the language is, can be quite uh, difficult here, and what we forget is that the form lacks a self-existence. It's made to appear that way. So the talk explored this, and the talk says that form is emptiness, meaning that form lacks any inherent self-existence. 
let's take a very simple supposing <clears throat> we can say here we are on a retreat together now every activity of the retreat gives support to the retreat now supposing someone was to walk in here and start running around singing, dancing um, <coughs> carrying around um, a ghetto blaster and <coughs> jumping up and down on people as they sat etc, etc, etc the form, what would happen to the form? what would happen to all this preciousness of this so-called form? not having any self-existence it's very dependent on countless situations for the form to be and it only takes what this or that some kind of commotion, some kind of activity and the form crumbles so in other words the form is emptiness, the form lacks self-existence it's codependent on multiple situations so we explored that and, and as I say, form is emptiness, meaning form lacks inherent self-existence. Now some people begin to realize this and realize this very, very deeply. And in this realizing, rea sorry, <coughs> realization of this very, very deeply, that person or those people or whatever may really see the emptiness of form. So there are some teachings which take, take place which say the that form and structure and method and meditation and posture and all that is totally empty, it's totally irrelevant. And there is a real cutting away of that. And we may say, if it's not just negativity, we may say the person or the people are seeing the emptiness of form. What very easily happens, of course, is that the mind begins to identify itself with, should we call it emptiness, or we could, might in this case call it no form or whatever, and begins to identify itself with that and then starts making a division itself. And the division is Form is nothing to do with it. Form is just a, a structure. Form has got nothing to do with freedom. It's a bondage. It's a, a, de a deception. And therefore one can't use form. It's a useless um, way. One is living in delusion, in self-deception. And there are uh, teachings which emphasize that. And therefore, what is highlighted, what is emphasized, is there is nothing that you can do. There is nowhere that you can go in terms of goal and orientation. And then there is the proponing, but there's the uh, affirmation, let us call it, the um, message which is going out, the message of no form. And so some people go, if they, sp they reflect on their spiritual journey, some people go through form, beyond form, but very easily this 
clinging identification takes place because the person may be seeing the emptiness of form but may not be seeing that may be seeing yes the emptiness of form but may not be seeing that form is emptiness so if we just like to explore that So there's seeing that form is emptiness, and there's a seeing, too, that emptiness... May, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. Before. There may be the seeing that form is emptiness, but there may not be the seeing that emptiness is form. Can you, uh, people follow it? It's not so, <laughs> so in, in that, one may say, or maybe in your listening, one may say, but, well, so what? I don't, you know, I understand, I follow a little bit. And one always has to remember with teachings, Dharma teachings, there is one primary interest in the teachings. And that primary interest is to make human beings unconditionally free. That is the function of the teachings. With the outflow of love and care and respect for life, but the, the, the heart, the quintessence is to make humans unconditionally free. If we bear that in heart and mind, in listening to the teachings, in exploring the teachings, it won't just be a philosophy of life, it won't be a profound philosophy or a deep philosophy, because we're not really concerned with that, we're concerned with being unconditionally free. Unconditionally. So there may be in seeing the emptiness of form, it's a great freedom. Wow, oh, no more retreats. <laughs> <laughs> no more structure, no more methodology, no more striving, no more this, no more that. And, and there is a, a freedom there. And that freedom we might describe as freedom from what is known, freedom from what has been explored, freedom from the methodology and all that goes with it. But unconditional freedom, which is what the heart of the sutta is talking about, is a freedom which also sees that emptiness is form. Not only that form is emptiness, but emptiness is form. Let us, let us just explore a little, some examples. When we, let us take a one which comes in a, and occurs a lot for us. <coughs> when we look at ourselves and we, and, and we, and we, exp we experience ourselves and we say, here, here, here I am, here, here is the form of my, myself. And then one says to oneself, you know, inside of me, <coughs> I've accumulated so much stuff from countless events and experiences which I take responsibility for. I, some cases I can't. Some cases I've just internalized the messages of other people. I've done this, I've done that. And I've got this, as it were, vast residue of stuff, another word for form, inside of me. And sometimes it comes up 
And, it and sometimes it comes up because I want it to, I will it to come up. Sometimes it just it comes up when I'm under pressure, I'm under stress. So when he's saying here, I've got form inside of me, this form is there, it hasn't yet exhausted itself, and at times it's likely to come up. And when it comes up, I've got to face it, I've got to deal with it, I've got to work with it, I've, I've got to see my way through it. This is a common way we think about ourselves. I'm not so sure if there's any truth in it about anybody. And when we look in that way, one we could say of ourselves, if I've got some this stuff which hasn't come up and which is going to come up, these different old forms, these old images, these old congestions, these contractions, how on earth, and it's all unconscious, how on earth are you going to know when it's exhausted? What, what's going to be the measure? What's going to be the yardstick for it? Who, who's going to tell you? And if one says, these old forms, these old patterns, these old this, that and the other, which I've got to work out. If one says, and some of this is probably going back to my childhood and my babyhood and my birth and when I was in my mother and so forth. And then one starts opening up the door a little further and say, well, maybe there's past lives, <laughs> which are beginning less. And then one looks at the, 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 in comparison, the smallness of the form of the present compared to the, un, the be, to, in compared to beginningless time. Then one say, I've got to work all this out. <laughs> in ten days. <laughs> So we, we start off with the idea there is something separate, independent, we're calling it stuff, which is there, and this may surface. That way of thinking, when sustained as the truth about oneself, for that there is no end. It's, it's an inexhaustible viewpoint. And so if we take it, instead of taking it from a self-existence, this course called stuff, the past, the unconscious, the repression, the suppressed material, all the language we've committed, if we, instead of looking in that way as that something self-existent, inside another self-existent called self and look at it in another way as not having self-existence. That means we may say in order for an event to take place countless situations like with the retreat 
countless factors must be present. It doesn't exist there by itself. We may say some of these factors are desire, pressure, wanting, fantasizing, daydreaming, day forgetfulness, um, involvement in situations which are not supportive, etc., etc., etc. So in order for one event to take place, which we call something coming up, nothing comes up at all, but that's the way we interpret that something is coming up, basically we're isolating and we're calling this is having some self-existence. It's separate. We think it's separate from all else. And once that separation is believed in, thought in, and uh, registered again and again, then, there's, as I say, there's no end to trying to work things out. But we think like that. So, we may say of that, emptiness and form are not separate from each other. The form, the self, the sensation, the stuff, or whatever, is emptiness, and that emptiness is the form. Let us take, let us, let, let, let us take. Remember, the whole theme for it to be, you know, unconditionally free. To be unconditionally free in the context that we are speaking of here is free in which being in form, form of retreat, form of a situation, form of whatever, or not being in a, an apparent form, like that is described, actually makes no difference whatsoever. No difference whatsoever. One may say, right now I am in a form, the form of retreat. When I go out, I step outside the form. And one says, wow, I've been here eight days, seven days, been here 17 days, What's it going to be like on the other side of that gate? So one's got a form here. The form is going to dissolve as sure as night follows day. And the thought arises, what's it going to be like? No form. And the mind perceives that somehow one is inherently different from the other. To un being unconditionally free. Form is emptiness, emptiness is form. Let us take another area. Let's take the area of being here. We touched on this in one of the groups today. <laughs> when asked the question of oneself, what does it mean to be here? What does that actually mean for us when we 
think like that, speak like that, exp experience like that. What does what what's that mean? <coughs> and generally speaking, we're thinking about a particular form. If you if you were to say to yourself, I say to myself, what does it mean to be here right now? The chances are the form we are thinking is to be here right now is to be looking in front of me <coughs> and listening. They're the two things. There may be other things going on which is going on right now and maybe experiencing some pain, some discomfort and maybe hearing the sounds from outside the, the temple and so forth. But it seems like to be here what this means at the moment is being in contact with seeing and listening and perhaps a number of body sensations. So this form, this particular, becomes quite important to us. And we hear, with a lot of frequency, be here now, be connected, be with the form, be present with oneself, be present with other people. And that becomes a definition of what it is to be here and now. So when we have that emphasis, then we've got its opposite. And the opposite is, at times, I am not here and now. And I'm lost in my emotions, I'm fantasizing, I'm daydreaming, I'm thinking, and I'm not here and now. And so we take something and separate it. Thinking, daydreaming, remembering, planning, futurizing, etc. <coughs> Stay with this. And the following experience is being here and now and not being here and now. And we keep looking this way. <coughs> we keep thinking this way. And when we are here and now, we begin to relax. We feel a bit more settled. We feel more present. We feel more conscious and so forth. And we're connected with others. We're connected with ourselves. And we experience not being connected. So what happens with the mind that does thinks continuously this way. I would say it's splitting the whole universe right down the middle. As they say, you know, and some of the um, psychiatrists will say, you're never alone with schizophrenia. And when we have such a firm view, we take up the position of what it means to be here and now, and in taking up that position, and we get identified with that form, not being here and now, the way we interpret that, then correspondingly gets rejected. This is to be here and now, thinking, feeling, 
motioning, whatever we call, call it, isn't to be, and that is distracting me. And we may feel, when we're in con connection with the here and now, we may feel more free to experience it. And more free to observe it, and more free to be in touch with it. And it certainly is an invaluable human freedom. But when we've made that form s something, then the rest is unacceptable. And we're not free. We don't feel free in terms of the movement of thought. And so, so we begin to think about our thinking. You know, you, you're just being here and now, as it happens in listening or any time. And as many people report, you get a certain association. Can you follow me? Just listening, then you get an association. And the association goes from one association, as someone described, like a chain effect. One association to another, to another, to another, to another, to another, to another. And so it goes on. Then something happens in the universe. Someone coughs, snaps their thing, <coughs> claps. You, well, ah, right. Mm. Ah, yes, meditation retreat. <laughs> so an, ev an event occurs. External, so-called. Internal. The chain stops. And in the chain stopping, the present form that we are approving, on, approving of <coughs> becomes where we are. <coughs> and we see remembering is out of the present. Thinking about the so-called future is out of the present. And so we live this, with, this with this separation. And we get so used to living with this separation, we believe it. We believe we can be out of the present. We can be somewhere else. Form is emptiness, and the emptiness is form. <coughs> but let us, if we can sense that nothing is excluded, nothing whatsoever is excluded from the vast field, nothing can be out of anything. Understand? Nothing can be other than some than in some separate way. The thought in this room <laughs> makes what happens in this room happen as much as 110 or 20 people coming in here to sit. The room could not be possible and, the, and humanity in this room could not be possible without every single thought that's occurred in this room over the last seven days. 
Every single thought has made this room possible. And the man says, hey, hey, hang on a minute. That's, that's going too far. And so what we start thinking is back in the old way. Oh, no, 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 no. Thought separate from all of this. And we start the belief in the thought that makes this distinction, and in making this distinction, we forget emptiness is form, and form is empty. So, if we are serious about the discovery of being unconditionally free, that discovery must surely be totally non-exclusive. It can't be an un we can't be unconditionally free and say, yes, except for. We can't be unconditionally free and say, yes, except, but not that. And so perhaps what the communication with the Heart Sutra is pointing out to us. Form is emptiness. And that emptiness is form. So what contributes, if you want to put it like that, to complete non-exclusivity, in which separations and divisions, which establishes forms, in which separations and divisions are simply the way of thinking about. Do you understand? The separations and the divisions are simply the way of thinking about. So when you and I are sitting and you are listening, there's going to be within us a tendency towards, if you could keep still please, the sound is disturbing. If it, in keeping with the meditation, there's going to be an interest, a tendency towards preferring the being here and now in the accepted sense, the conventional sense of being here and now. Being in touch with breathing, touch with body, in touch with the moment, or whatever. And there's going to be the preference, shall we say, at times for that form, and the thoughts will come, will come, and seem to be taking one away. 
So it's not to say that the separations and the divisions will stop. Understand? If thought arises, understand, it's very important. If thought arises, it means the thought will make a separation. You can't have thought without separating. The thought's going to go on. It may be on face value that every single thought in this room makes this room happen. You can't take one of them out and say, didn't need that one for the room. <laughs> so thought's character is to make a feeling of separation. Once there is a separation, there's a form. And thought would continue to do that, because that's what thought does. Trees grow, rain fall, drops, and thought makes separation. But does that thought and that separation, that division, and all that goes with it mean that there is something other than Does it intimate here? Is there some intimation, how else to put this, some intimation of unconditional freedom? <coughs> Form goes on, thought goes on, preferences go on, this and that goes on, and all, with all of that going on, does it actually intrude on unconditional freedom. Does a thought stop unconditional freedom? Little thought? It's like a little spark out of the fire. That stops freedom? What a thought that thinks that! <laughs> <laughs> We've got the thought in our brain cells that the thought hides something or perhaps reveals something and we give it all sorts of transcendent qualities. Thought is just a thought. And sometimes the thought says, lots of thinking today. Well, it's good to know it supports everything here. <laughs> and sometimes another time the thought arises, wow, no thought. <laughs> <laughs> and we think that that really makes a difference. We think no thought means we must be getting closer because thought says we must be getting closer. And we think lots of thinking means we must be getting further away. <laughs> <laughs> 
We've no idea closer to what or further away from what. <laughs> but we think that, so it must be true. Thought is emptiness. Emptiness is thought. your beings see into life may your beings see into the nature of things may all beings see unconditional freedom 